Hey now, welcome to the Dirty Side of the Track, America's leading Formula One podcast. Happy Mother's Day. We're coming off the Miami GP. We've got to talk about it. It was amazing. Watch the race was okay. We're going to argue about that. I'm Brian Saperstein. That's Rob Vale. Rob, what did you think about uh, today? Um, what did I think about today? Well, there's an old saying that good things come in threes, okay? I started off this morning watching the Premier League team I love with a passion, Arsenal, win a game and, and, and go, you're not going to care about this, but it meant a big deal that they won today. That was fantastic. At lunchtime, the Bruins uh, squared up the series with uh, Carolina. Um, a great, a great result. And then the third thing that sealed out it was, um, <clears throat> let, me, let me just remember how you put this. Um, oh, I beat you. I beat you. I think that's how it goes. Is that right, Brian? Uh, you know, I don't know. I've never used my Mega Driver yet. So, did you use Mega Driver, Tay? You did. Well, that's I, I, I absolutely had to. I mean, Charles was on a Charles was on a double streak. So, why wouldn't you? Only an idiot wouldn't use it. Did Did you use yours? No, I'm saving it for what's called a sprint race when there's eight extra points at play times three twenty four. Well, Congratulations! Congratulations! I beat you. Anyway, anyway, let's get back to. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm so happy about oh. this. It's ridiculous. But anyway, <clears throat> let's uh, on with the, the show. It's the little things in life. It's the little things in life. So on with the show. So let's just <clears throat> cover what we're going to be up to. Um, news and social as usual. Then it'll be the race review of Miami GP. Then I think we need to go over something called fantasy. So I think that's something that might crop up there that we talk about fantasy points again. Um, always, always, obviously. Always, always, always. I had, I had uh, fantasy heartburn last night i could not sleep because of my quality team but it all came through so i, I look forward to talking about it because as you and i were sharing as we were getting loaded up here um it looked real bad for me coming out of quality <laughs> so i uh i pulled it out of the fire and then yeah talk fantasy kind of talk about a few other things so you know obviously the miami g and the lead up i have to give miami credit and i know it's obviously not just Miami gp machine but huge here in America, for all those listeners who are overseas, in America, huge buildup. And I know on social it was there and you saw it. And I know it was there um, like on the YouTube channel and you saw Formula One. You saw it in a lot of places. But in America, the buildup was tremendous. And from the good, the bad, and the ugly, you know, the fake water and the fake marina with the fake boats and the people who couldn't bring their shoes on the boat today. I saw one of the boats, the yachts, sitting there. The people had their shoes. At the, it's a fake boat. It's not wearing <laughs> shoes. But, um, you know, that was uh, interesting and, and a lot of buildup. But I, I have to give a quick shout out to Pit Lane Paul. Pit Lane Paul is the man. We tweeted it out. Did you see the picture of Pit Lane Paul in a dirty side shirt at the track earlier this week? That was the best. Amazing. Yes, I loved it. What do you think of that, Rob? Oh, I absolutely loved it. And um, just to ride on the back of what you were saying there about the um, the promotion. So, well, I've, I've been over here five years now, and therefore there's been like Circuit of the Americas each year. And trying to talk to anybody about Formula One, you just get this glazed over look where they say, <laughs> I don't know what you just said. So, and it really literally, it's hard me coming from a country that loves Formula One and maybe Europe that loves it to kind of really put yourself in the perspective of, this sport really makes zero penetration whatsoever up until it feels like kind of like this year, whether it's the Drive to Survive thing, Miami getting this and all aboard the hype train. Um, <laughs> and um, 
It's penetrating. Like, I went to uh, my local bottle shop. I've been wearing my dirty side cap for a while, and one of the guys that um, serves me, um, I mean, it's kind of maybe sad that I'm on first name terms with the guy in the, uh, the bottle shop. Maybe I go there too often, but whatever. Nah, um, that's normal. Yeah. <laughs> he asked me about what the what the cap was, and, and I told him about it and just didn't figure anything else. I went in there today before the race uh, to stock up. He said, hey, 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 it's that, it's that race of yours today, right, in Miami. I thought, well, it's not mine, but thanks. But <laughs> it just kind of hit me that um, it has permeated, you know, whatever Miami and F1 together have trying to been doing this year. And I think we're going to hit it a little bit in a minute when we probably have to peel back maybe some of the cheese slash cringiness that was Miami. But... They kind of had to. They had to dial it up to 11 because I think they're riding on the wave of this drive to survive thing. They've got promoters, sponsors and a captive audience that maybe aren't looking at this sport enough. And with Vegas next year, I I think they kind of had to dial it up to 11. I really do. And they really did this week because we're going to go through news and social. I think almost everything on our list this week is people putting in an appearance to promote Miami. Yeah, I would say everyone promoted Miami, and there was actually a lot of dirty side conversation about the track itself. The racing line was narrow, and so the dirty side of the track with all the marbles and the tire pieces and the dirt, um, not a good place to be for the drivers, and a lot of talk about dirty side. It was fun. I will say this, though. I just I just got back a minute ago for a dinner uh, for my wife, and my daughter and I had a wonderful time. And my oldest daughter actually somehow brought up, oh, Dad, I was actually talking to someone about your podcast. I said, oh, tell me about it. I was talking to my dance teacher about it, and um, I won't give his name, but he's actually been on American Ninja Warrior. He's a dance teacher. He does all kinds of amazing stuff. He's a guy. And she said, yeah, we were talking about Formula One, and I said, my dad has a podcast, and then I walked out, and I said, did you give, her, give him the name of the podcast? She said, no. I said, you're, <laughs> you're missing the point of the promotion, kid. So we will work on that. But yeah, it, it, was, it went big, right? Miami went big. Instead of going home, it went big, and... We'll get to the race very, very soon, I promise. But it was, I actually had fun. Like, the buildup was fun for me. Maybe because I am such an American. So just uh, It was right in my face, and I loved it. From McLaren with Lando's basketball helmet, Danny Rick's Ventura helmet, the James Corden thing. I didn't watch it all, but I saw the crop top <laughs> thing. Um, that disturbed are, me. That disturbed me. Yeah, it the, should. It the, was disturbing. <laughs> the big discussion that came out after that picture of uh, James Corden in the middle and... and, and um, Lando and Danny in crop tops, and suddenly there's a Twitter debate on whether um, Danny and Lando have got in is or out is yeah, for belly buttons. I'm like, Moving no, on. no. I'm swiping <laughs> I... next on the Instagram account. We're going to the next story. Hot or not, they dropped on the McLaren channel. I mean, that McLaren went big, and it was fun on the grid walk today and even the day prior. Emerson Fittipaldi, uh, Mario Andretti, Zach Brown hanging out. It was awesome. I mean, I, you had... Lewis on Good Morning America in both a fun but also sort of serious interview about diversity in, in F1 and in motor racing. Daniel Ricardo again back to the McLaren on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, which was fantastic. Oh, I'll take a breath and turn it to uh, you. Well, I mean, and- I loved all of it. And then my favorite thing is still upcoming before the before Prime. We'll get to that shortly. But man, like... It was amazing, wasn't it? And the videos they dropped were great, too. Yeah, they, they, I mean, they just were on an absolute marketing machine this week. You had, And then, surprise, surprise, Drive to Survive drop into the mix of all of this that they've announced season five and six. It's like, well, that's not a, co- a coincidence uh, dropping that in there, is it? It's like, but I did see... Um, I, and, uh, hold on oh, real go, fast. Go, we go, only go. gave Drive to Survive season four like a six and a half out of ten. 
I'm still super excited in seasons five and six. Like, I'm not going to joke. Like, it, I'll still binge watch it the day it comes out. Maybe not overnight like I did last time, but... Yeah, I'm and I and excited. I think maybe maybe there's a chance they actually take on board some of the criticism of this one that they, they messed with it too much because there was quite a backlash to season four. So if they can get back on to the early seasons, they've got time to deem it. I'll watch it as well. But um, talking of watching, I watched uh, the F1 driver's quiz of how well do you know US uh, sports teams. Um, I didn't fare... Actually, I fared better than I thought I was going to do. They threw up some obvious ones, but I, I'm not going to read out every single one. It's just some of the ones... I thought you were going to say my... you didn't fare as well as them. I was going to be like, dude, you've been here how long? Come on now. <laughs> yeah, but some of these sports like baseball, ugh, I mean, you can throw a name in there. I'm not going to have a clue. But what I did notice Phillies, was that... You couldn't have guessed that was Philadelphia? Oh, well, and I think they all did because of that. But the one that I thought was like super famous, like the Boston Red Sox is just, I thought was just known like the world over. But George went for San Francisco Red Sox. Uh, <laughs> Magnuson went for Arizona Red Sox. Uh, Albon and Danny Rick thought Chicago Red Sox. Seb couldn't even give a, an idea. And Yuki, I think, just answered Miami to every question, hoping that one of the answers was going to be Miami. <laughs> so that yeah. kind of tickled me. The other one that stood out was like um, the 49ers was a clean sweep across the board. Everybody knew it. San Francisco, San Francisco, San... Seb, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what? But it, it was fun. Uh, the, the final result was uh, Charles Leclerc knows his stuff, uh, 100%. Danny Rick second, 87%. And Latifi, the only podium he's going to get, uh, 79% in third. He's also, but he's from Canada, which is North yeah. America. So these are his sports too. Right, hockey. True. I mean, these are his same teams to the Toronto Blue Jays and the, formerly the Montreal Expos. They're not there anymore. I mean, these are the teams he grew up watching. The, you know, Maple. Of course, hockey originated in Canada, and basketball has the Raptors. Used to have the Grizzlies when they were in Vancouver. I mean, all these teams like the same sport. I mean, like for him to only get seventy nine percent, I'd actually say is disappointing. But it may. It's a podium, and he's taking it. Heck yeah! <laughs> heck yeah! Heck yeah! Um. One thing that I saw that I thought was brilliant, and if people haven't seen it, I did tweet it out earlier in the week. I would definitely recommend checking out. Would recommend checking it out. Was the Red Bull channel YouTube put out Max and Yuki uh, from Alpha Tauri racing in wild Florida swampers? It was fantastic. They're basically in a muddy swamp with I don't know, let's say three feet of water in it, uh, and these V8 900 horsepower weirdo looking machines that had these they don't even wear even tires they're just wheels with no rear and they basically go through the swamp and it was pretty fun to watch and I'm gonna spoiler alert um, if you haven't seen it uh, fast forward 10 seconds to the rest of the episode but um, and it was fun to watch so that that was pretty neat and and then kind of smack dab in the middle of the fun hype excitement for the week. Uh, was this weird, and I'm, I'm going to be totally honest, I think sort of targeted jewelry thing from Formula <laughs> One. It's been coming for a while. Like, they've announced this weeks ago, and it's coming to a head, and it's to the point where, like, Seb, you know, Inspector Seb, got into the argument about it. Now, Seb doesn't wear jewelry, but he started wearing his underwear on the outside of his race suit in the track to kind of poke fun at the standards they're trying to make jewelry thing. But it's clearly aimed at Lewis. And Lewis showed up to his press conference with three watches, nine chains, 14 earrings, 75 bracelets. I don't know. I, I lost track. But he was basically wearing it all to flip it. And he said, I'm not going to take things out that you don't even know about. I don't get it. I really don't. What is this? This is out of the blue. It seems capricious and arbitrary. I don't, I don't understand why they're on this soapbox formula about jewelry. If you want to make the argument... 
about if a driver gets in an accident and you have to get them to an x-ray machine or an MRI or whatever maybe. Uh, last time I checked, every other person in the world who gets into an accident, fine. You don't make every person who gets in a car take out their Prince Albert. And so to <laughs> me, like, it is, it is so stupid. And there's one person they're clearly aiming at, in my opinion, and it's Lewis. And again, I like Lewis, but I'm not the biggest Lewis fan. I'm like, you know, I'm, I like him. I respect him. But, you know, I'm not a Team LH guy. It just feels like BS to me. And I'd love it if they moved on and fought bigger battles than this jewelry thing. I don't know. Maybe yeah, I'm wrong it, on that. No, no, no. I, I don't get it either. I think Seb's not. Seb's isn't. Um, wasn't protesting the jewelry. Seb's was protesting the fire retardant underwear they've got to wear. But, but it's the um, same kind of thing. It's the same, same kind of concept, of right? And it's like yeah. who's who's in charge? I think they they said in the comments today who's in charge of like checking that stuff out. It's like they got to <laughs> yeah, well, make, make sure the Carlos. Do- they showed Carlos with no shirt on, and they go, "Well, now everyone will want to check it out." <laughs> but yeah, so. Um, but before we move on and start looking at uh, the race itself, we did have um, an anniversary pass today. So today, 40 years ago to the day, Gilles Villeneuve uh, lost his life at Spa. Um, and there was a number of different tributes coming out. There was a, there was a really nice article actually on Formula1.com that Jerry, Jeremy Clarkson had uh, done about him. And I didn't realize Jeremy Clarkson said that he was his number one favorite driver of all time. So I'm not going to read all that out. If you want to go and check out Jeremy Clarkson's view on Gilles Verneuf, it's a good uh, read through on there. And as I was flicking through some of the things, um, he had a pretty decent record, 67 Grand Prix, 1-6, 13 podiums, all for Ferrari. But Nicky Lauda's quote that I found as I was digging through was the one I liked the most, which was, he said, he was the craziest devil I ever came across in Formula One. The fact that for all of this, he was a sensitive and lovable character rather than out-and-out hellraiser made him such a unique human being. So um, maybe one for a future Veil's Tales, perhaps. But um, it's always sad when an anniversary like that comes around when you're kind of talking about a driver. I think we had Ayrton last week. So, uh, you know, it's one of those things. And I think it comes back to the the jewellery conversation. I think Martin Brundles um, said it well today on the commentary. Every driver that crosses that cockpit and gets into that seat knows what they're doing when they sit in that seat so they've already thought a whole bunch of risks ahead whether or not they've got an earring in that might stop an mra Uh, mri you know it's um it's just one of those aspects unfortunately of driving fast cars fast well we've talked about father-son duos uh many times when we couldn't remember the the dual chairs and jill's son jacques obviously uh was tremendous as we remember jill um a stat that we ran across there was no eloquent way to do it. A stat that we ran across week that I thought was kind of fascinating before we close out the, the race up to practice. And I did a little research on this to make sure it was right. It is over the entire turbo hybrid era. So it's a twindle now. Only four races, four, have been won by teams other than Mercedes, Ferrari, and Red Bull. That's three teams. Yeah, but there's seven other teams. Four races out of all those years. And I actually thought about this for a while and I could name three of them off the top of my head. It took me a minute to get the four. And so it is Pierre Gasly at Monza when he won in the Alpha Tauri. Um, the same year, 2020, Checo, his last couple races in the racing point at, uh, at Bahrain. And then it was 2021, you remember the crazy weather in Hungary when Esteban won and Fernando held off Lewis towards the Alpine and then it was late last year or middle last year in Monza when McLaren had the one two with Danny Rick 
Um, and so I'd forgotten the Danny Rick just because I think of McLaren and Danny Rick as the top of the tops. And so I didn't really kind of attribute them to the non-top <laughs> three. But so that is sort of fascinating to me. It's not four teams. It's four races have yeah. by anyone That's... other than Mercedes, Ferrari, and Red Bull. So I watch 2022 and i love the following that's close we're going to get into the race here i actually felt like we were on the cusp of a lot of good racing this 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 today but i don't know if it all had we'll talk about it but i thought that was that was fascinating the last thing the last thing we have to talk about and i'm going to use the mariachi and it's not a sap stat but i didn't want to play this right after the the sad news of a remembrance the party can we talk about what I stumbled across, the Miami GP opening? It was amazing. Rob, I, I probably should have called you. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was late at night on Wednesday. And some other people on Twitter got on there with me and said, I saw it too. And there were not many of us. It wasn't, I, I didn't see any notes coming out about it. It was the greatest thing I've seen in a long time. They had the W Series drivers up there. They introduced them. It was tremendous. Then they brought out team by team the drivers and the team principal, and they interviewed him for a minute or two. Crofty did it, um, and it was uh, he was in a rush, and there was a, another woman whose name is escaping me now doing the interviewing, and it was great, but uh, it was so much fun. Like, it was just, they were having fun because it was, it was so far out from the race. It was Wednesday night. I loved watching it. All the drivers were there except, though, um, and I, I couldn't get enough of it. When it ended, I was bummed. They brought out the DJs, and Lando came out with the DJ. I want to see my live tweet storm from Wednesday night. Go back and check it out. But it was <laughs> it, it, like the last thing. The hype exceeded. The marketing was amazing. And I, I was so ready for the Miami GP. And then, then practice happened. And, well, Rob, why don't you kind of kick us off with, uh, with what you saw through summer practice? Practice was intriguing because they were obviously all learning the track as well. No one's been out there. Um, and, I mean, actually, a little bit of foreshadowing of what happened. Like, Mercedes suddenly looked like they were going to be semi-decent again. Um, I think in the second practice, George broke into the 129s and he would top the leaderboard. Lewis seemed to be getting things hooked up. Um, and it looked like there were going to be a number of places where people might make mistakes, especially as being as they hadn't learned the track yet. There were a number right. of corners that seemed to be causing people problems. We had the two crashes um, that everybody was in uproar about, that they weren't going to put more padding on the barrier. I'm like, no, you know, the guys are going to learn the track. It's, it, it's, it's good. Don't worry about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just interesting because it's the first time for a long time that I can remember that you're watching practice where you're kind of learning the track with the drivers as well because you didn't really <laughs> know what was coming up. So I kind of really enjoyed it. It was a nice little teaser trailer and I thought this is looking like you know the straights look long enough especially the one straight with the DRS that looks long enough that we're going to get some overtaking we've got some breaking zones as well so um I was I was in good spirits heading into quali what about you loved it I love practice um it totally changed my team fantasy wise let me bring it real fast so when George looked fast and looked frisky I'm thinking to myself George Russell welcome back to the team and so I put him in. He had a one, like you said, he was the only man in the 129s in all three practices. Uh, there were three crashes, one in each, uh, big crashes, one in each. P1 was Valtteri, FP2 was Carlos, and F3 was Esteban. And Carlos and Esteban were in the battery, uh, like you said, into concrete. I'm like, hello. I mean, it's 2022. We still have exposed concrete in areas people go flying off. Like, what's something there? There's some tires, some tech pro, something, anything. 
some feathers. I mean, come on, <laughs> work with me here. You're not going to let Lewis have jewelry, but you're going to put a concrete wall in an area where people slide off. Okay. So yeah, I was so excited. And and then we went into quali, and I'll be honest, I loved qualifying. I thought it went, it was interesting, it was exciting. Q1, we had Lewis sliding everywhere. We watched people kind of bouncing off those curbs for that chicane and the kind of corners 11, 12, 13. And then afterwards, think, you go oh, right sorry. into a wall. Yeah. <laughs> Bouncing is the wrong word. I, I got to use launching. It was launching. like there was a... <laughs> It a couple is, of it, times where I thought they had like all four wheels off. Like I thought, I actually thought that's gonna give something in the race where someone's gonna just hit that too much and get airborne and take someone out. Because would well, you remember in Singapore years and years ago they they called it the Singapore uh, something and it was Singapore had a tall curb on one of their chicanes and people would launch off it and I mean they would launch off it like it wasn't yeah. four wheels off. I mean it's like you know four wheels off and and they were using uh, you know downforce to stay out of the radars being thought they were so high up in the air so. Yeah, it was crazy. And then um, Crofty busted out like 12 Guan Yu Zhou's in a row. I'm like, welcome back, he's worse. He's worse than me. <laughs> yeah, he's worse than you. Um, and and I would say the big news from Q1 was obviously losing cake. I mean, to me, that was the, the surprise Q1. Yeah, you know, I'd agree. I, they, I thought Haas were going to do better. Um, but I was glad to see, obviously glad to see Mick go through. But it didn't look like they'd got the, the pace... Um, in qualifying and then so we got through to Q2 um, everybody seemed to be starting to struggle a bit Q2 seemed just a bit harder for everybody for some bizarre reason I'm not quite sure why um, and we had kind of George all over the shop and um, no surprise that we kind of lost him at that point because he just didn't seem to be able to hook up a lap he seemed to have to keep uh, backing out of things so um, and, and Mick couldn't quite couldn't quite see it through to Q3 and so we kind of lost him as well. So who did we lose? We lost Alonso, George, Seb, Danny, Rick, and Mick all bit the dust in Q2. It felt like Mercedes changed a lot in FP3. And the setup they had in FP2 was better, and they could do it fast enough. I don't think yeah. he hit a 129. And that's, no. it, so it was, whatever they did was worse. It was a bummer uh, to watch. And then, then we went into Q3, lost the drivers you mentioned. Uh, and as I'm watching Q3, I mean, Max, Charles, Carlos had monster laps on their first runs on their laps, uh, but just monsters. Max had to back out of his last one at the last uh, session. So we ended up with Charles, Carlos, Max, Sergio, and Valtteri in fifth ahead of Lewis. How exciting was that? That was so cool. But my big note at the end of qualifying was we had no yellows, no reds, no accidents. That was a humongous surprise to me. It, it was considering how many of them were missing that corner in uh, practice and the and the crashes that we'd had. I, I no way I thought we were going to get through quali without it. But um, what also interests me about Max's one is that, um, like you said, they'd all put monster laps in. Max had to push it to try to to get pole, and he just he just screwed a corner up, and then had to kind of back out of the lap. But none of the commentary team initially wanted to think that he could possibly have made a mistake. So the first reaction was, <laughs> "Max is going slow. Something's wrong with the car," and they just kept. And this is going to be a theme now for the kind of the weekend is that the commentary team had a little bit of a nightmare in recognizing what was going on in front of them, whether it right. was kind of like, like we'd all be watching the TV and you, you watch the replay. Oh, there it is. Max missed the corner. OK, cool. And they're still going. I, can you work out what's going wrong? Uh, maybe he had a power loss. I'm like, no, they just showed it on the TV. He, <laughs> he missed that corner. And they, I think they must have shown it another three times. And it wasn't until the in-camera, uh, the in-car footage where it showed Max kind of binning it and easing off. They went, oh, yes, he's had a problem. And we're like, yeah, we know. <laughs> we, <laughs> we saw it. 
<laughs> well, that actually, that leads us to the race, right? So in the race itself today, and, and just before the race, I made it in for, I don't know, 30 minutes of, of the pre-race. So I caught the grid walk. And I love when Martin <laughs> Brundle does the grid walk. I love it. But America throws him for a loop. It's like pop culture. It's rappers and artists. It's, you know, let's 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 be fair. Let's be fair to Martin. It's, it's everything outside of his comfort zone, right? Correct. <laughs> Correct. Sports he's not familiar with. Anybody who's under the age of forty, and so like he needs a better in his ear, telling him who he's talking to or who he's not talking to. Pat Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> the quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs, is not Paulo Banchero, the Duke first freshman who's coming out who's gigantically tall with a mop of hair they look nothing alike Patrick Mahomes <laughs> probably like 6'2 Paulo Benchero 6'10 or 6'11 they're humongously different um, and that was just, my favorite oh god I had to mute it I muted it and left the room I was so embarrassed my secondary embarrassment for Martin felt I felt so bad like just someone my... help him where is the yeah. producer who knows pop culture he at least he got DJ Khaled right so that was good but that was my favorite moment when there was the dawning realization that he wasn't speaking to Patrick. He kept yelling, Patrick, Patrick, why? And he goes, he must not be able to hear me up there. You know why? Because his name's Paulo. And so he's anyway. Been, he's talking to him and halfway through interviewing him, somebody must have been in his ear going, yeah, you're, you're not speaking to the right guy, oh, Martin. I so, felt so bad. I left, I, like I said, I muted it, left the room and held my head, head in my hands. But, uh, and, then it, and then it kind of didn't get any better because he kind of latched on to, okay, there's David Beckham. He's British, like me. Yeah. This is going to be old chums back I'm together. I'm going to chase this him around gonna, the, yeah. the Red Bull car. And Beckham completely blanks him for like a good couple of attempts. And like, but, you know, fair play to him. He's not going to, you know, go down without a fight. So he, he basically gate crashes that um, team photo that Beckham's having with the Red Bull team <laughs> just to grab him. And um, Beckham was kind of like, oh, God, i got to talk to you. Otherwise, you're really not going to go away, are you? <laughs> well, and then we learned, though, the highlight for me of the grid walk was when we found out that the two Aston Martins would both be starting from the pit. Well, what would happen that would impact both cars that they're going to start from pit lane? Oh, yeah, they left the gas in the garage in the uh, refrigerator too long. I'm like, what? A, I didn't know they refrigerated or cooled the gas. I still don't know why. I will do some research for an upcoming pod to figure out a little more. You have that, Rob? You have no, I'm sorry, no, 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 breaking no, news. no. You have news on this? No, I really don't. Because what actually break my baked my brain even more was not only do they f- put it in the refrigerator. There's obviously actually some kind of regulation written right. about how cool it can be, so you can't leave it in the fridge too long. And I'm like. This is blowing my mind. We've just gone from Martin Brundle talking to people that he doesn't know who they are to the fact that someone has left the bread in the freezer overnight and now I can't make sandwiches in the morning because they didn't take it out in time and it's all frozen. I'm like, and there's a regulation to make sure you're supposed to bring it out. Oh, this is just And they knew they'd get busted. So they started from the pit lane and I'm thinking to myself, what? And (laughs) Aston Martin, call me. I will be your gas temperature regulator guy. I can do nothing else. You hire me full time. I'm still going to do the pod. But outside of Dirty Side, I will make sure the temperature of the gas is perfect at every step of the way. I will invent a new refrigerator. I will automate it, except for my job. And I will ensure that we are set with the perfect gas that will taste, voila, chef's kiss. Sign me up. I don't understand why they're putting it in the fridge, why they forgot to take it out, how they screwed that up so bad. I don't get it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that I might need to siphon my tank from my car tonight before I go to bed and put it in the fridge because obviously it's going to be better, right, tomorrow. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming when Mike Crack goes home and he opens up the fridge at his house, it's just gas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Crack's got gas. 
<laughs> my crack's got gas. Oh, oh god! I think that might be the clip for the uh, episode. So then the race <laughs> happened, and Rob and I are at different ends of this thing. I, I want to like it. The end was a was a banger, and I I tweeted it out. Here it comes. Here comes the last twelve laps. It's going to be fantastic, and it was. But before that, we disagreed. I actually, we'll get into it, and we'll talk about it. But to me, I I was very nervous about being Russian, and I still think it was. Rob thinks it was apparently fantastic i have Whoa, no, no, no idea no, no, why no, 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 no. i did not say fantastic but you said you tweet, it was the best when... race you've ever seen god bless america it was the greatest i said that, that's was... just because i was counting my fantasy points did i mention i beat you <laughs> anyway um oh, no mainly boy. because right up front it's kind of a little bit of a lucky dip as to whether you're gonna get the front four really 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 close and battling or whether the, one of them is going to move away and we've kind of seen it over the first four races that we've had a couple when it's been close and we've had a couple when it just hasn't and no matter how many marketing bucks you throw on uh, promoting a race it's just not going to change the fact that you can't force the ferrari and the red bull to be close if the track favors one over the other that's just going right. to happen right so right. i think you're a little bit um shallow and if there's not racing at the front then you're bored so no. you tweeted out the board, no, no. board icon. There were way more overtakes going on in that middle section no. than we saw in all of Imola no. put together. Yes, no. there were. You go back and count no. them. Yes. No, no. <laughs> you're giving credit to overtakes that occurred for reasons that I, I disagree with. So let me explain what I mean. I felt like the first couple laps, there were some overtakes. I will give you that. And I, I don't just watch it. But it, to me, the overtakes that occurred in the first five to six laps were cars getting in the right race pace order. Meaning... Stuff happened in quality. They were in the wrong places. Esteban was too far back because he didn't race in quality because he had an accident. George was too far back because he screwed up Q2 and didn't get a, a lapse in. So they naturally passed a lot of cars on races. And then, well, hold on, mm, my, th- my takeaway here, my takeaway, I'm giving it early. We're going to give the Cliffs notes here. I'll give the answer up front and we'll go through the reasons why. A, race pace made any of the overtakes happen early. And then pit stops especially bad pit stops they were slow because it was hot and they put them out into track which created a lot of overtakes otherwise the first 45 laps were boring and pretty processional in my mind now there are pieces we need to talk about mm. but to me it was it was overtakes that were driven by incorrect slotting on the grid not i'm not saying they shouldn't have been that way but not in the way race pace would have and then bad pit stops so all overtakes were because of reordering of qualification and pit stops. Two things that never happen in any other race ever. And that was all it was. There was, that was pretty no, much all it was. No, that, no it yeah, wasn't. It was. No, it wasn't. Rob, you the had... best action, look at this. Here's an expression for you. The best action that occurred was in the teens, which is a lot that describes basically your life. And so to me, I mean, it was basically just, it was, the, it was 13 through 15 was the best rating action of the race. And that's not for points. No, so I'd say it was a bit higher up than that. I would say it was more like 9 through 15. So there was a lot For of people... three points. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But so what? I don't really care which car is overtaking which car as long as I'm seeing cars overtaking each other. So I, I, what, what, I enjoyed what, it, but again, it, until, the vast majority of it is when someone dropped out of... Like when Lando had a horribly slow pit stop and he dropped behind the two Aston Martins and the two Haas who were wrestling with each other for 14th. And, like, I, I enjoyed that part of it for a little while. But, like, 1 through 13 were basically just driving along in a single fine. No, that's not true. Because Alonso was up there having battles with people and swapping back and forward as well. I, I, I agree bit. with you. That, he did. I, he I did. agree with the top six. That, I mean, 
I don't think Bottas probably saw another driver for the vast majority of the race until the safety car came out. He was in a little George race by himself. George and Esteban were in witness yeah. protection. We exactly. saw nothing of them the whole race. I didn't know they were in the race. They both had moved up 12 and 7 spots respectively, Esteban and George. And so it was crazy to me that we didn't see any of it because everyone they passed had gone to... They didn't like naturally pass a lot of people. They had some, but not many. Yeah, My only take on it is that I think that the action on the track was um, a victim of the hype that had gone before it. Oh, so agreed. we've, we've sat here last week, know, right? right? Imola, Imola was, was terrible. That was a procession. I'm not even sure there was an overtaking Imola, right? We just, yeah, because it's historical and it's Italy and it's a Tifosi, everyone goes, oh, yeah, it's amazing. And then, the, and then the race comes over to the US, gets overhyped. Okay, it does. They go big on it. And the race is never going to live up to that. But if you just strip away all the um, glamour and glitz and just look at what happened from the time the lights went out to the time the checkered flag waved, I'm going to rate that one as the third best race of the season because I think it was better than Australia and Imola. You know what? I actually, in that regard, I have to agree. Like, I think ah. it was better than Australia and better than Imola. But I think it was a vast gulf. The way we opened the season... Agree. And I will agree so, on that. Even yeah. Saudi Arabia, and you know I'm down on Jeddah, but I would say Saudi Arabia had by the best wheel-to-wheel action we've seen years. And in retrospect, uh, I may have to go watch again. Just from the Alpines going back and forth, you remember that? And then Charles and Max. Um, that. And, and so to me... Well, yeah. we did, but we just saw it way back. And that way was back. the thing. And that, that was the problem, is that the... There was action, there was overtaking, this track can generate places to overtake. The DRS actually seemed quite nicely balanced, where if you came out of those last two corners into the de- after the detection zone, into yes. when the flat was going to open, if you got your car in the right spot, then it was going to be beneficial to you. If you didn't, then it wasn't an automatic pass. And do you know what? I love that about the DRS of this I track, because it just seemed balanced. It was like, you put your car in the right place, you're going to benefit from it. If you don't, it's not just going to automatically uh, create an overtake for you. I would even be a little um, more explicit with it. Uh, I agree with you. Um, the back straight, which is a, has to be one of the longest straights in Formula. It's <laughs> still it, going. It's still going on it now. It's still going. It starts in Miami and finishes in like Daytona Beach. And so it goes forever. But we didn't get as many overtakes on that stretch because I think the detection zone is at the end of the corner as opposed to the beginning of the corner. And well, I know we're inside baseball in this, but he, what it did was it forced the drivers to tighten up the gap at the end of that really long straight. And then they came around the corner for the next detection zone quickly. And on the pit street, which is the third DRS zone and the one they weren't 100% sure was going to be added up until a week or two, that was where the overtakes occurred because you got into position on the back straight. And that, to your point, made it more exciting to me. You know how many people did their overtakes on that pit straight, which was really short? So basically in turn one, that's where a lot of the overtakes happen. And that's where one of my favorite non-overtakes happen, which we'll get to later. Um, where Checo thought he had it and then overlooked it, but we'll get there. We'll get there. So, so anyway, we disagree a little bit on the overall feel of the race. I still think it, I agree with you. It was better than Imola, Australia to watch. Um, but you know, we we back to the action. We lost Joe on like lap seven. I sent you a text. I thought it was going to be processional. I saw it. Um, <laughs> you know, Max took the lead on lap nine, and you thought he was just going to drive off into the sunset until we had that safety car because Pierre decided to drive like every old Floridian and just wound in the middle of the road without looking at his mirror. Um, it was fun to watch Danny Rick on lap 10 uh, do some the old-fashioned Danny Rick 
late breaking move on Yuki. He he took yeah. him on the inside, and then you're like, he's not going to make the corner. He's not going to make the corner, and then he made the corner. I'm like, welcome back, Danny Rick, Daniel Ricardo, the man we always expected him to be. It was amazing. Uh, you're right, Alonso. You mentioned the battles, lap 14, him and Pierre. It was fun to watch. Um, I would highlight that on like lap 18, I noticed uh, we'd still not had any flags. So all yeah. Well, quality... sorry, sorry. You you jumped you jumped to 18 because we went through a. And I th- we went through like a period of about six laps where I think Danny Rick kind of pretty much started, like you say, on Yuki. K-Mag put a great move on uh, Mick Schumacher. George, as the hard tyres suddenly stopped being made out of ice and actually started to see <laughs> give him grip, um, George put a great move on Danny Rick. And at 17, the Aston Martin suddenly started yes. getting interested. 17, I wanted to hit um, this, but yes. Thank you. Can and, 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 and Stroll and Vettel were all over the place, but because I think we, it was lighting up with a bit of action and the commentators um, <laughs> sort of woke up out of their coma, they got the both of them wrong way round for wrong. about two laps. They were like, it was Stroll chasing down Alonso and they were like, Vettel on Alonso, how many years of experience have these two got between them? And they completely got lost in this side train. I love of like hearing you say up. it in your Connecticut accent. It makes me think of Croft. <laughs> but I'm like, it, it's Stroll. It's Stroll, guys. It's Stroll. They were like, I'm oh, Vettel. He's an ex-time world champion hunting down Alonso. They got 372 years combined racing and started bringing out all these stats and just completely missed the whole thing. And then it the wasn't until I think Vettel put a move on whoever was the one behind. Latifi. Latifi. It was Latifi. Vettel put a move on Latifi and they went, and there's Stroll going on. No, it's Vettel. And suddenly you could like hear their brain kind of like Breaking. self-combusting. And- yeah, exactly. I, lap 17, that was my note as well. I was looking at the board on the left, on the graphic of the Yeah, screen. same like, here. This doesn't make sense, what he's saying. And then the, the cars are going by so fast, I couldn't see if it said 5 or 18 on on the Aston Martin. Uh, and for everybody, 5 is Seb and 18 is, is Lance. And so I'm watching this, trying to figure out, and then I'm like, they said Stroll with the move on Latifi. And I'm thinking, oh boy, Canadian on a Canadian crime. Here we go again. I, no, that's Seb. That's 5. <laughs> That's not even close, Crofty. And then they corrected it, you know, later, but it was bad. And then pit stop started right after that, though. And a lot of people with bad pits. I mean, oh, this yeah. was the long. This was probably the most bad pits I've seen in a long time. People were just box, 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 still boxing for like a week. Fernando really bad pit stop. Lando had a bad pit stop. Uh, there were more to come. It just signs had a bad pit. It just gosh, I felt bad for so many of these guys. And they said it's hot, and the the wheel nuts get hot. I don't understand how that makes them unable off. The only wheel nut I know that is uh, Valtteri's from last year Monaco. It's still I think. <laughs> but also in and around somewhere around here, we had um, I you know I know that you're a big fan of Team Radio. And um, I'm sure you would have been loving Perez kind of schooling his engineers that, oh, there's nothing wrong with the engine, uh, Perez. <laughs> He's like, I've got no power. Check my, check my top speed. I'm telling you, I'm losing power. And they're like, no, nah, it's all roses and sunshine. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> he was losing it with them. And they, they obviously, I don't know if they couldn't see the issue, but I mean, just... Just my human eyes looking at how far he was falling behind signs were like, I'm, I'm going to side with Check on this one. He is actually slowing down. And the engineer's like, no, no, it's, it's all great. I don't know what you're talking about. Just go faster. What was it? You've lost the pull from the car in front. <laughs> but it was many what? seconds. That was the other thing. The interval, he was catching up to, was it Carlos? Signed, he was catching yeah, up to yeah. Carlos. And it was like a second and a half, two seconds. And you're like, is he going to get in DRS? And then he's like seven seconds back. Or five seconds back, and he's like, yeah, I'm losing power. And they're like, no, you're fine. He's like, what happened all that time? He didn't go off the track that we're of. And then they told him he had a fail 50. So he had to get rid of a sensor, which was sound. Um, and actually, to me, 
I'm sitting here thinking, Carlos finally, good luck. He had Checo up his trumpet. And then all of a sudden, Checo has this sensor problem. And for new people, I didn't get this for a long time, for new listeners, new watchers of F1, there's an F1 car. It is like you can't imagine. There's a sensor for everything. And then there's a sensor behind that sensor to check the sensor that's checking. And so it allows them to monitor, manage, and kind of you know make sure what it's supposed to do. And when some of them fail, it assumes something's wrong with the car and will actually reduce power, output, and the ability to do things. And so what you have to do is turn off that sensor. And the only person that can do it is the guy driving 210 miles an hour down the straightaway. And so Checo had to turn off and fail sensor 50, whatever the, that one is, and allow his car and engine to get back to where it was at least close to where it was supposed to. And Christian Horner still said they were at a power deficit even after that. I don't know. My understanding is when you fail the sensor, you back to where you should be. And he didn't lose time after that, but he definitely lost power during the period. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, his time dropped dramatically. He knows his car as well as anybody knows their car. And he set, found it. His engineers took a little time to find it. But yeah, I was listening to that. I'm, I'm basically screaming. Listen to Checo. He knows what he's talking about. <laughs> and then, and then I will agree with you. Then probably from say um, about lap thirty-five, K Mag let um, Schumacher through because I think Schumacher had the pace and he was just going to let him chase down Stroll. But other than that, to see if Schumacher was going to catch him, not a lot was really happening until until Lando. Um, oh, did Lando get taken out or did Lando not pay attention either? I mean, is that because nobody got the stewards haven't? I think they said no further action was due. So. Um, it was Gasly, right? It was Gasly. Oh yeah, totally. Gasly, Gasly. Gasly seemed to be. I mean, the, the the onboard camera made it almost sound like his car had lost power. It was. Uh, it didn't seem like it was just going wide left then wide right. Either that or the tires are completely gone. But anyway, he comes back into the middle of the road, doesn't check his mirrors, um, and he collect. Does he collect? Hmm. Come on, Brian. Does he collect Lando, or is, is Lando not paying attention to how much Gasly's coming across? Because there seemed room on the left hand side that if Lando was really paying attention, he didn't need to be where he was. I'm 100% saying it was Pierre's fault. I don't know uh, if he did it on purpose, but Oh no, no, not on purpose, but Yeah. But I mean, I don't think I don't think it was like so here's my thing. Go back two laps, right? Something everything is caused by thing. And so two laps prior, lap 39, Pierre and Fernando were in hustle. And Gasly lost out, but Pierre, uh, sorry, Fernando kind of put his nose right up alongside Pierre. And there was a bit of a lockup and they kind of hit each other as Fernando quite honestly was going in a little hot. And hit Pierre, and they, they sorted it out. And then, lap and a half later, Pierre goes deep into a corner by himself at this point, right? They show yep. this, and he kind of gets back on and then kind of goes deep again. And he says, I'm not sure he can turn appropriately, because he's still thinking about what Fernando kind of hit him um, in the corner two, two and a half, or one and a half uh, prior laps. So, Pierre is now completely discombobulated. Uh, and I only know this because of all of the time I've gone to K100 carts. So <laughs> I am an expert on this, bar none. And so he's trying to figure out, is his car in the right shape? And he gets it on the track and he weaves towards the middle. Was it egregious? No. Um, but Lando thinks he's whizzing by a disabled car because Pierre's not going at top speed. And so Lando is effectively 75% past Pierre as Pierre keeps weaving left. Not super fast. But just enough to tag his his, his Lando's right rear but, tire. 
But why doesn't Lando use all of the left hand? So he's come around the corner. He can see a stricken car. He's going way faster than him. He's got quite a bit more room to the left hand side than he actually uses. Why? Why risk it and brush? So I'm with you, right? I don't think I don't think this is Lando's fault per se. It's definitely Gasly is like you say the Flor- Floridian over eighty driver that's out for a Sunday afternoon drive in the middle of the track, not checking his mirrors, but. They showed it. It's not like it's a blind corner. He comes round. He's got Gasly kind of randomly weaving in the middle of the road. Just just stay the hell out of there and, and go as far <laughs> to the side as you can. I mean, easy for me to say. He's never driven a car like this. But it just seemed like he just decided, I'm just going to shave right past you rather than yeah. give you room. I mean, he, he'll probably be back in the garage thinking, why didn't he go further left? But, How many people did Pierre have contact with? I mean, it's sort of amazing to me that he hit all these different cars at all these different... Uh, and at the end of the day, I mean, that Alpha Tauri, uh, he did have to retire uh, short after, but he really made out pretty good, uh, the thing pretty strong. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because they must know he's going to go bouncing around on people. But, yeah, that was that was actually the, the big bummer for me. I mean, I, I, I like cheering for Lando, and so Lando, watching him go out was just a bummer, uh, but it was, quite honestly, the this of the action. Right. But so I did that like happened. that <laughs> sorry, happened. Sorry. On, yeah, go ahead. Just before we move on, I did like um, Lando also wins the award for stating the blooming obvious, where they went for the onboard. Now, obviously, you don't get to hear the onboard radio at the same time that you get to see the action. And when they did the replay, it perfectly put it over. And I'm, I'm sure this wasn't the order it happened in, but basically, Gasly uh, hits him. He spins round, lost a wheel. He's facing the wrong way, and then they just played Lando go. Oh, guys, I'm out. And like, yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, we Very know. <laughs> what was amazing, he barely touched the wall. Like he, t- the, It looked like his front tagged it as he was coming to a halt. Yeah. But for going that fast, he just basically burned off all the energy by singing, which yeah. was... And then we had our uh, favorite thing, Brian, that you and I oh, absolutely love. Oh, God, please don't love. do it. Don't do it. Then please we had don't a, say it. It drove then, me nuts. Then we were going to get away with that needing a full safety car because the virtual safety car came out. So it was all going to be For two and a half laps. Oh, for two and a half laps. So, I mean, obviously, because it goes on for two and a half laps, they've they've assessed it. They've looked at it. They've said, yeah, there's a gap there. We can get the car out. Virtual safety car. We can come and get the debris off the track. That's fine. We'll just run virtual safety car for two and a half laps because then we'll turn it into a full one. Why would they do it? (laughs) I don't understand it. Like, I'm watching this and the car is on the track. There's debris on the track. Pretty much every other race in the history of Formula One, at least the last 15 years, that's a safety car. So they go VSC, George gets a free, or a cheap pit, a bunch of people get some cheap pits. I'm like, they're really going to go for this. After a lap of it, I'm like, they didn't know a safety car. They're going to do this under VSC. They're going to keep everyone, they'll find a gap, get the car out. You know, they got the marshals out with their yellows right by the accident. And, you know, maybe they'll, and I'm gesturing, people who can't see me. And so maybe they're going to make this happen under C and they'll keep everyone at 40% power and they'll kind of keep the gaps where they are. And it's good for Max. Um, you know, it's good for people who have built a lead. Uh, and then they turn it into a full safety car like two, two and a half later. Why? Why wait but, so long? I don't know. But when they did turn it into a full safety car, I think Christian Horner came on uh, when they were interviewing him on afterwards and said, we got massive lucky with the timing of that because I think uh, Max was close to being past the pit lane at the point where it went to full safety car and had that happened then both Ferraris could have come in and put softs on and and Max would have been royally screwed but um, you know small margins this sport comes down to and like 500 yards earlier and uh, Max gets to pit 500 yards later his race gets screwed 
Well, I'd like to find out. That is one thing that I don't understand. Why they wait on the VSC. Uh, I don't get car. it. I don't get it either. Like, I, I feel like we need a, a, a sort of analysis of this. But what it did do was on lap 47 at the restart, for the next 10 to 12 laps, I think it was 58 in laps, uh, the race, it was fire. Like, this, this saved, for me, the Miami GP. Otherwise, i, I got to be honest, the first 47 laps were meh. I would have left it at Imola, at Australia, tied for with him. But then it was just chaos the rest of the way. And I actually tweeted out. I'm like, hold on, dear, because here it comes. It was fantastic. K-Mag and Stroll going after each other. Mick was defending on Esteban. And then Albon was right behind him looking to get in the action. Albon, by the way, Albon and the Williams. Can we talk about the race he had? He needs... More credit. I don't care how many points he gets. One. I don't care. It's one. It's the best one point Williams has ever scored. That guy is amazing right now. He's on fire with the worst car on the grid. Um, it was just so much fun to watch the restart, the defending, and then my heart broke. Oh, into a million later. pieces. Is this Mick? No, it was Valtteri. Oh, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, we'll get to Mick in a second. But when Valtteri is going down the back straight on Lappy, and the Mercs are right behind him, and it's like Mercedes on Mercedes fire. When you have George and you have Lewis kind of going after each other, right on Valtteri's tail. And Valtteri kind of goes too deep into the corner because I think he's looking in his mirrors, yes. And he goes so deep, but he's able to not hit the wall, but still make oh, the turn. Just. <laughs> just. But he paid the price. He lost two spots because both yeah. marks went flying right past him. And I watched that. And I'm like, oh, no, Valtteri. I mean, like, and I, I mean, he had... A great weekend and an amazing race and still did an amazing job but he lost two spots right yeah and then and then if my heart was not already in pieces it, it got splintered into into a gazillion when Mick Schumacher had driven they they actually said they said this might be one of the best races he's ever driven he was he was ahead of K-Mag on merit he was closing down the cars yes. in front he was yes. on course for he was holding off like you say holding off soft tires behind him where I thought he was going to get past like instantly after the restart and he got his elbows out and he stayed ahead, and I'm like, he's going to finally do it. He's going to finally do it. He's going to get his first points in Formula One. This is the moment. This is the moment. And then Fernando starts getting into a bit of trouble. Mick sees a gap, and I think his eyes light up. And I gotta say, okay, two things. Um, little bit of inexperience kicks in at this point, I think, because we're looking at like two or three laps left. You're going to get your first points here. Do you have to absolutely throw one up the inside here? Because it might have been on. And I actually think maybe maybe Mick had the corner and Alonso turned in onto him, but it'll probably go. I don't think it was. No, I, I don't think either driver got penalised. It probably went down as a racing incident because I'm not quite sure Schumacher got to the point where he really had the corner. Um, but why? Why? If, if it looks like Alonso's struggling and you're catching him now, just just back off into this corner. You've got three more laps to go, or whatever it was. Um, don't throw it up the inside. You don't need to. And then when it showed it, because, and also they didn't show it in real time. And all of a sudden I'm looking at the board on the left-hand side and I'm watching Mick go dunk, dunk, dunk down the leaderboard. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, what's happened? They showed the replay, loses his front wing, good night Vienna. But wasn't, wasn't it Seb he hit? I thought it was Alonso he hit. Was it Seb? I was Seb, it was the fatherly son, right? Sorry, yeah, I got the wrong driver. But, you know, but, no, no, no. I, 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 was Mick, so, I was so upset about the I whole know. Schumacher thing going out. But it was like, Mick, well, Mick, Mick did make some moves on Fernando, but then it was Seb when he was, because he got it was. by Fernando. Yeah, you're right. And he wanted to get around him. That was actually a nastier incident than um, I appreciated. Meaning when they showed him going down the board and there's talking about what happened with Mick and they went back and showed it, he basically 
I mean, again, my own uh, wildly uneducated, dirty side. Of, he went straight into the corner, too hot. Oh, as you said, overcooked it and went straight. I mean, he, he hit Seb so hard. Seb was four wheels off the ground in the air, sideways. I mean, that was a proper screw up by Mick. It, it, um, it was. I mean, he, Seb had gone. Seb had gone in too deep as well. So he cuts quite sharply across that corner as well. But I, I don't think Mick's ahead of him enough to. Want... Not even close. But not even close. He's not even halfway. Not even up to halfway. It was in my mind that was one hundred percent on Mick, and it was a bummer though because he had points. And, I know, um, I know. It was uh, that was just, and, and also he probably had more points than he thought because. Sorry, the reason I got fixated on Alonso was because he's keeping pace with Alonso, and Alonso's got a five-second time penalty, so if he only has to keep. He doesn't even have to put a move on Fernando because as long as he stays within five seconds, he's going to jump him anyway in the classification at the end. Which is why like, Alex Albon and the Williams asked two points. I know I said one, which is where he finished, but he finished ninth with the penalty. Um, two other things of note, in addition to Mick not getting points, which broke. Rob's heart. I did. Um, did. <laughs> so, so the Mercedes. We had Mercedes on Mercedes crime. And I loved seeing it. I'm here for it. Sign me up every day. I'm an AMG nerd. I mentioned this already. Did Puma put their Mercedes AMG uh, swag on sale? Yeah, they did. Did I buy some? Yes, I did. <laughs> and so um, oh, when George and Lewis were going at it, uh, someone who listens sent out a, a note on, on Twitter. I think it was Twitter. And they said, hey, uh, um, George got past Lewis, but then wasn't past Lewis, but that's Lewis. So we didn't see a lot of it. It was lap 51. Um, there was a lot going on at this point between what we were with uh, Mick coming up, had Valtteri going deep, we had Charles on fire at this point. I don't know how he got so much out of the Ferrari, but he was right on Verstappen for about three laps, and that's where they focused. And I was freaking out. I was so excited. All this is happening. And then for like 10 seconds, they show George Lewis, and George goes off the track to make an overtake. And in Formula One, you're not allowed to um, have a lasting advantage by going off because of the words. So he passed him sort of illegally. And here's the thing. It's team, same team situation. And when that happens, you don't really go to the steward necessarily. I guess you could and say, hey, help us sort this out. Uh, normally, if it's like years past Max and Lewis, Max would go off the track past Lewis, the Mercedes team would complain, and then they'd give the spot. Uh, you know, Red Bull would give the spot back. So what they did was, George passed Lewis in an inappropriate way. He tried to give a little bit of, of it back, but then took it right back, and it didn't make sense. So a couple laps, and we didn't see it, at least I didn't see it, um, they had George give the spot back to Lewis. George was on fresher tires. He was, quite honestly, just driving better. And he got past Lewis again. So he finished above Lewis, but he did give that spot back. It took him a little, um, because he'd taken a lasting advantage from that off pass. So that was fascinating. And the thing I I, I like 10, 10 seconds to focus on. 20, lap 52, towards the um, Everything else kind of sorted itself out that we've talked about. But Checo, he went for it. Checo basically said, look, I am going to pass... Carlos, no matter what I do. He's like, I am going for it here on lap 52. I'm going to make sure I pass. And it was in that lap, it was turn one, so they'd come around the two DRS zones, and he went for it. And it was, boy, it was bold. He went for a very late break up the inside, but he overcooked it, and he went too deep into the corner, and Carlos, to his credit, basically saw this and did a, a switcheroo. 
And he's like, all right, I'll let you go by at 100 miles an hour into the corner. And I'm going to switch around. 100 miles an hour. It was probably faster than that, actually. <laughs> yeah. At 140. And I'm going to hold back. And then I'm going to dart on the inside of you and take it all back. But he took back with like a, a two-second advantage or something. Just motored off into the sunset. And the race was done at that point for third. Carlos had it. So my man Carlos, who's had uh, only bad luck. Um, finally got some good luck when Checo overcooked it, trying to take it all home on 52. And, and I loved watching that. To me, that is the switcheroo, and it was done to perfection. Carlos. Yeah, I mean, and I think it was um, hats off to Max. He drove a great race. Ferrari, they're going to be happy with second and third. Nobody's going to be happy with a police escort to the podium. Um, <laughs> Where was the podium? That was crazy. It was so, uh, like, we're watching the two motorcycle guys go two miles an hour for a week. What? I, I could pretty much live with most other pieces of American cheese um, that was kind of everything that had gone before it. But I, I will admit to the uh, the police escort was just kind of just tipped me over the edge a little bit. I've I got to be honest, I didn't mind the Pirelli American football helmets. Oh, I hated I thought they the were, Pirelli helmets. Oh. I hated that part. I hated it. It was ridiculous. I thought, so, so with that, I, yeah, okay. I mean... Lots of tracks do things that they give out, which are a little bit kind of um, synonymous with the venue that they're at, right? So I, I don't really... They're outside an American football stadium. I don't see anything wrong with uh, getting an American football helmet rather than a cap. Um, From per- but they also got get- the caps. And they got the caps and the helmets. Uh, well, whatever, whatever. I mean, I'm okay yeah. with that. But the but the police escort, I, I, I don't really ever want to see that ever again. <laughs> no, I don't either. And I don't... I, honestly, they got to move the podium. It can't be that far away. You can't wait 20 minutes from to drive them in golf carts to a podium side of the stadium. That was also ridiculous. I did like Dan Marino, though, handing out some of the trophies. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, tying into the Ace Ventura from Danny. I saw him. I'm like, Ice Tone. Talking totally. of trophies, uh, we need to switch gears over to fantasy now and give out the oh, driver, of, driver of the week, driver of the week. Oh, sorry, um, team of the week. Um, it's I'm just looking at the leaderboard here for Miami. It's a it's a tale of two robs at the top of uh, the Dirty Side League this week. And big hats off to Robert M and his team, Russell in the Bushes, uh, and scored. Week. Monster week, three hundred and sixty-two points. Monster I mean, he week. played he played his Mega Driver as well, but oh my gosh, three hundred and sixty-two points. That is not to be sniffed yeah, congratulations, at. Congratulations, Robert. Um, M. That's huge. That that, that is huge. Uh, followed by some team called Slow Brian on uh, Rob V. Is there? Uh, uh, well, tied with Dr- someone I think is probably smarter than you, named Vance J. Team one three hundred six yeah. as well. So Vance I would, J. I'd highlight shout Vance out. J. As opposed to yourself, you. I would. I would. I'll, I'll take third spot. Egomaniac. No, no. I'll I'll take third spot because uh, <laughs> even in third spot, I believe that still puts me ahead of you. Oh, it does. It does. Stewart D. Hopefuls fourth place, two hundred eighty four. And our fi- our top five rounder out is Paul M, who's been a 100 seconds guest, popping Botas, 283 points. Like, it looks like all top five, all five of us used uh, Mega Driver this week. So although um, we normally do the top five, I think Abby W and Edward Jason S, um, they're the next two with 250 points. Um, and they didn't play their Mega Drivers. So 250 is a solid score without Mega Drivers. So welcome to those so. guys as well. So, And that uh, puts us for the season. So obviously, yes, Rob, you beat me. Great job. Uh, I'm, I, as I mentioned, I had Fantasy Heart. When I put my team to bed after Quali, uh, I had swapped out. So I had Charles and Ferrari and Checo um, and K-Mag. But what I did was I swapped Lance and Carlos for George and Valtteri. 
And at the end of qualifying, it looked like I had made a horrible decision because George was, I don't know, 29th on the grid, whatever. He went out and <laughs> Q negative two, and it was bad. And Lando looked fast, and I lost him. And Valtteri did fine, but it just didn't ease my feeling of, of paying all that money for George. However, the race did pan out for me. I definitely made the right move the team. Um, I did drop. Uh, in the overall standings, but number one, Antonis A, Red Bolino. We've mentioned you before, Antonis, 1147 points. However, right on your tails, uh, Vance J, we already talked about Vance, um, right behind you, Team 1, 11-4. There's a tiny little gap to 1132 uh, with Edward Jason S, Gunnar Stroud. We've mentioned you before as well, Edward Jason. Job. Uh, and then in fourth place, the first non Mega Driver user is this chap named Brian S. 1123 and i'd be remiss if i didn't go a couple extra beyond five because at five is mark d who's also been a 100 seconds of drs participant uh team dlv 1099 and then some dude from who had a monster week uses mega driver rob v i did have mega driver palpitations because i was convinced right i was looking at the two streaks that were coming in i was like okay i'm gonna make valtteri my turbo um so i can free up the slot to play charles's mega and i'm like i don't really understand these streaks but i'm pretty much sure <laughs> but as long as he uh as long as he gets uh into final q3 and he finishes this race then there's there's points to be had here so i, I don't get them but, either and but, i'm not tr- i'm not trading regularly so like all these people who spend a little extra time and trade driver during the week have way more money than me and that's also bumming me out but you know what it is yeah, exactly. Uh, I think we've got a. I'll kind of um, work out tomorrow uh, the Rob versus Brian draft result. Um, I kind of quickly glance at it. I, I think it's too close to call at the moment, so we'll we'll download the points from the um, from the F1 website. Take a look at the tre- team principal scores, and we'll put an update out on social to say who's taken the first round of uh, Rob versus Brian the draft. Um, and then that'll take us into next week. So we've got an off week next week. We've got uh, Spain up in two weeks, right? Well, before we get to Spain in two weeks, we actually did get an update from Pitbull. Oh, and I yeah, have yeah, not had a chance to listen to it uh, as a Mother's Day dinner. So for all I know, this is going to tell me what it is to play it out loud. But here we go with an update from Pitlane Paul, um, the wearer of the Dirty Side t-shirt. Hey all. So... Hey. Excuse the background noise. I'm actually uh, just got back to the hotel. I realised that for the first time I'm um, I was in the USA. So normally when I record these little um, snippets, I'm uh, I'm European based. So I've got a few hours before you guys can actually record or what have you. So, uh, but now here I am, US in Miami, and uh, you guys will be recording. So I thought, well, I need to do this on the way to I won't lie the pub. Um, so I'm in South Beach in Miami. There's a there's a pub, uh, sort of like a typical American place called Franklin's around the corner, which is just banging chicken wings. So that's pretty much where I am. Um, and then we'll see for the rest of the evening what goes on. But this has nothing really to do with what happened in today's race. So let's get to that. Uh, Miami, I will not lie. It, it's... Uh, where should I start with this place? I mean, let's just talk about the guests. Guests and so on and so forth. Far too many people. It was out of control. I've done this sport for a lot of years. I've never seen it like that. For me, it was too much. Um, There was much more emphasis on it being a show rather than it being a sport. 
But I guess that's unfortunately what Netflix has brought to the, to the table. So <laughs> we have to accept that. But look, it was a great event. It was a celeb fest. It was, it was full on. The track caught a lot of people out. I was chatting to uh, Max in the... When I say in the lift, don't try to drive for rooms. I, I won't even start on that one because we haven't got time. But... And like he was saying, it's a terrible track. It's, it's you know, it's, it's more like a Formula E sort of environment. So it wasn't the best. Um, and I think, you know, I'll go, I'll go straight to the race because I'm sure we've all seen the quality. We know, we all know what's happened. Straight to the race. It, it actually wasn't the best race. It was pretty much, I'll follow you, you follow me and, until the, um, the weird incident with Gasly and Norris, which... We could spend an eternity on, but it's a racing incident. We'll move on. But until that point, it was pretty much a train. There wasn't a really great deal going on. Um, and the, the safety car sort of then spiced up a little bit because people could then come in and make a different tyre choice. The tyre choice was always going to be a medium or, or hard uh, in the standard race. George Russell needlessly chose the hard, which really benefited him um, with the safety car he made the correct call of staying out um, and yeah that sadly uh, resulted in biting um, us guys with Veltri a little bit uh, a little bit if you excuse the pun in the um, backside but that was a great gamble from them is what you have to do in that situation you know you're you're it's it's, it's one of those you know do or die scenarios where if you stay out and there's a safety car of course you have this magnificent opportunity then to box and then you're going to be on a a quicker tire because people have already started on the medium tire um so fair play hands up fair play we we got done by a safety car with Veltri. lewis also got done by the safety car and and that was the way it was and at the front not a lot changed in all honesty great show boring race um it will get better miami's here for a long time i think they've learned a lot this week but my honest opinion get me home from here as soon as possible well after i've had a little holiday next week and then on to spain a track we all know and we all let's say um enjoy but great event miami fantastic show nothing wrong with that but the race there we'll move on have a great day bye-bye so we've got to get I, we've got to get rid of this pit lane Paul. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Pit lane Paul and I see eye to eye. I mean, <laughs> the one debate you and I have had was the quality of the race. And pit lane Paul, who is an F1 professional, many years on the pit lane, <laughs> oh, don't working try with this. drivers, don't... knows drivers completely in alignment with the way I think, the way Paul thinks. We are. He was in hospitality. You, know what? you beat me at the fantasy, but I beat you in the race down, mm. according to he, me. Scored he'd by been me. in hospitality all race, and now he, he's on his way to his pub. He's already like about three pints in. I mean, anyone agrees with you when they're drunk. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, regardless of how you viewed the Miami GP, we can say thank you to Pit Lane Paul. That we, those updates are tremendous. It's just f- listen, fun to listen to and, and to hear. And thank you. Thank you, Paul. Enjoy your week holiday. As he said, two weeks in Spain. And then a week after that, right, a quick turn to Monaco. And I actually have dispatched a dirty side listener to Monaco to let us know what it looks like from the, the EPRI they just had there. So I shall get out on Twitter shortly. Some early recon side listeners 
I had a wonderful time watching the G. As I said, and Rob, you summarized it well. The hype was was better than the race, probably. I thought the race was not as good as you thought, but the last 12 laps were fire and amazing and just tremendous. Um, it, it was Mother's Day today. It's over now for most of the U.S. I braided their mother and the mothers in their lives. It's Yuki Sonoda's birthday on May 11th. Keep him in your thoughts as he celebrates doing whatever Yuki Sonoda would do today. I love all you not, guys. Not Thanks guessing the name. Not guessing yeah. the name of American sports teams properly. That's Definitely what he does not. On his or birthday, working yeah. out. Or working out, according to Netflix. Um, that's all I have. Everyone have a wonderful week from the dirty side. Rob, close us out, buddy. Yeah, another one. Thanks again to Paul. Keep an eye on social when we, some point in midweek, we'll work out what on earth we're doing next week. Um, I'd like to do an entire episode just uh, going over fantasy points from this week, but I'm sure Brian won't want to do that. But I'm uh, happy to. Happy to. Can we talk about the season? Oh, you want to do no. one week? Just one week, yeah. Just oh, this yeah. current week. Nothing's current like the current news. Everything else before that is history. So right now, <laughs> we're going to leave this week on the little uh, song that you came up with, which goes, I beat you, I beat you. And on that note, take it easy, guys. Take it easy, guys.